It's great to see so many of uh, your faces here, some people that I've been praying to see for, for quite some time, so it's great to see you. It's exciting, and it's warm in here, right? So that was quite the shift this week, wasn't it? Like, I'm not used to that. I'm used to a gradual change, but I woke up and it was uh, sweatshirt season, so yeah. That's right, yeah. Some people like the cold and the rain. Did you know that? What's wrong with you? Yeah. <laughs> like booing when the sunshine comes out. It's like, no, go away, son. Bring the clouds back. That's cool. To each their own. I guess, you know, the half the year they're disappointed, the other half the year they're excited. So it's like, it's cool. Yeah, I mean, that's the beauty of living in Southern Oregon. Uh, we have a, we're going to set up a, a meeting, uh, I think Oli's going to bring it up later too, right after church, if you would, uh, if you'd signed up to help with the Harvest Carnival, which will be the following Monday, we're going to have a meeting right after church to talk about that. Uh, I have no idea what we're doing, and so uh, we need to figure that out. Uh, so that's really exciting uh, and fun, because this is my first time doing a Harvest Carnival here. Uh, if you didn't know, I've only been here since February. Uh, so it's like, it's really cool because there's, there was no harvest carnival before, like from between February and now. So yes, I can like read a calendar, Maxine. Thank you very much. I didn't know the peanut gallery was here. It's great. Yeah, I love, uh, yeah, I love, I love to interact uh, with you. So uh, please don't hesitate. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't view myself as someone that's more special than, than anyone else. And so please, uh, my, you know, as my wife and my office administrator often uh, poke fun at me while I'm up here. So please uh, don't hesitate to, to laugh. <laughs> Have a good time. Uh, it's good. I'm glad that we started off uh, kind of jovial because um, the question this week that, that someone asked, uh, you know, as we continue this series on driven, right? Who's in the driver's seat of our, of our lives? Um, and, and this aspect, I, I guess, was, was kind of um, coming from a season of hurt. Uh, but the question was this, does God hate women? No. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's the short answer. So, um, all right, we'll see you guys next week. So, <laughs> you answered it for me. Uh, I think we need to expand on that because I think the real question that they were asking is, what is my role uh, in relationship to the church. What is my role in the church? If I'm a woman, if I'm uh, elderly, if I'm young, if I'm whatever it is, wherever I am, what is my role in the church? Uh, what's my role in relationship to my spouse? What's my role in relationship to people outside of the church and friends? And I, and I think that that's a more fair question, right, rather than just a one-word response of no. Uh, we can actually talk about this. We can uh, look at these things. And I think this question was in response to uh, last week when I had talked about the qualifications for eldership uh, being um, men. And someone said, okay, well, how come women can't be elders? Uh, and the reason is that it's what the Bible says. Uh, so uh, it's not something that we wanted to be like, oh, hey, we decided as men in this church, you know what we're going to do? We're going to keep all the women down. Right? Because that's what we're all about. So we're going to talk about what we are about scripturally, what Jesus was about, and what our roles are. Uh, the question is, you know, if we allow the Holy Spirit to put us in the role that the Holy Spirit has called us and driven us to, what does that look like? 
What does that look like in the church and what does that role look like in our lives? Again, if I were to allow the Holy Spirit to have the driver's seat and I would accept whatever responsibility had been given to me, what would that look like in our lives? Okay, uh, so I, I want to first off by stating, you know, kind of going back to the first question, that both male and female were created in the image of God. Uh, and if you want to know where this comes from, this is literally the beginning, Genesis chapter 1. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God. He created him male and female. He created them. And what this, this sets the tone is that there's, there's no one gender that's more important or better than the other ones. Which, which gender did God create? Yeah. Which gender did he create to be more important or better? Or which one did he love more or love less? Yeah, he created them both. Uh, I mean, it's not like us with our kids that we have, because everyone knows that you pick favorites with your children. And you would never say it, right? But if your house was on fire and you had to save one of them, you know which one you'd save. <laughs> just saying, just saying. And so God is not that way. He's telling us that he, he loves both of them, right? I would say both. My kids are four and two. I would save both of them. You know, I love them both equally. So we haven't gotten to the stage of life with the kids where they just do things to hurt your feelings. So that's exciting because it's just fun. It's just fun right now, right? Uh, let's go play baseball. If you didn't know, uh, my son is the one that bottle flips throughout the whole church. So that's him. Yeah, we're at that stage, which is really cool. Uh, I, I don't want to get political about this, but uh, again, there's, there's two genders, okay? Uh, we can talk politics later, uh, but I get the microphone on Sundays. Uh, so uh, that's really <laughs> exciting. Uh, throughout the Old Testament, we see a lot of men in leadership and they make a lot of poor decisions, right? And so uh, poor decisions, uh, they don't follow Yahweh, but it's not just limited to, to men. Uh, it points out the flaws in all people. Uh, it's non-discriminatory discriminatory as far as who makes mistakes, who makes bad decisions. Uh, however, I, I do want to point out that uh, the Old Testament, they when women do amazing, mighty works uh, for the Lord, that, uh, that they are listed by name, and it's really important that we look at some of those stories. Uh, so we have like Miriam, who is Moses' uh, uh, sister. She's a prophetess. She helps lead the women of Israel, and she has a really important uh, role in doing that. Uh, we also have uh, Deborah, who was a judge, who was also given the title of prophetess. Uh, she led troops into battle. And she won a decisive uh, victory. That's a really cool story. Uh, if you're not reading the book of Judges to your children, you're, you're missing out on some cool stuff. Uh, yeah, Giles, she literally like drives a spike through this dude's temple. So that's pretty cool. That's a cool story. Um, some of the women are like, um, can we not talk about that here? So, uh, okay. Uh, so in the, in the book of Joshua, chapter 2, uh, the Israelites... Uh, they're coming in to conquer Jericho, and we meet uh, this prostitute named Rahab, and she had, a, she had a, a room in the wall, and she could see outside, and so she, from her wall, she could see the mighty works of Yahweh, of God, the one true God, and said, okay, when the people of God come, I'm going to uh, help them, and so that was her faith, so she had great faith in protecting them. And uh, Rahab is actually in the lineage of Jesus. So that's really cool. Through her faith, she wasn't an Israelite, yet her faith in Yahweh uh, grafted her in 
to the line of Jesus. Esther, uh, again, if you don't know the story of, of Esther, the book, it's a fantastic book about pride and being humbled. Uh, there's a guy, he literally builds this giant uh, spire to, cruise, uh, to put this guy, to impale him on it, and then uh, he gets impaled on it himself because he was so uh, prideful. But it's a really great story. So Esther, she risks her life to save all of the, the Jewish people. We have an entire book named after her, as well as uh, Ruth. Ruth risks her life to save her mother-in-law. Now, my mother is here, so I'm not going to ask my wife if she would do this. (laughs) But in a purely hypothetical situation, if I pass away, you know, this is a a long time ago, right? So so this wasn't an age where, where women typically had jobs or, uh, you know, because my wife is further along in her college education than I am because she's smarter than me. And uh, that's, that's good. But it wasn't that way back then. So uh, Ruth, uh, she, she says, you know, hey, I'm going to save you. I'm going to do whatever it takes to her mother-in-law after, right? And that's, that's a pretty amazing thing because do you know the difference between in-laws and outlaws? Yeah, outlaws are wanted. So, Yeah. I mean, it's not true. I mean, I love everyone. <laughs> yeah, I mean, sometimes, sometimes you get married and, and then you meet the family and stuff and you're like, okay, you know. Okay, that makes sense, you know. Uh, but I'm sure, I'm sure that my wife, that she would protect my mother. I'm sure she would do that. So, uh, yeah, so Ruth is, it's a really great story. Again, uh, and uh, Ruth being in the line uh, of Jesus, the faithfulness in the line of King David and ultimately Jesus. Okay, uh, what about like in the, in the New Testament though, right? Okay, so great women in the New Testament. Uh, you want to talk about like right off the bat, this is from Luke chapter 2. Uh, I'm going to read it. So this is Luke chapter 2 verses 36 through 38. It says, there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel. Anyone here named Phanuel? Okay, all right, all right. Uh, from the tribe of Asher. We do have someone named Asher. Uh, so Anna, she was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, 37, and then as a widow until she was 84. Okay. Uh, she did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. Who is she preaching publicly about? Who is she She's proclaiming Jesus in the temple. Uh, so Anna, she's a widowed prophetess, never, says she never left the temple. Wow. Uh, and what happened was they brought Jesus as a baby to the temple, and she wasn't the first person to recognize who Jesus was, but she was the first person to publicly speak that he was uh, the redemption of Jerusalem. So that's really cool. Uh, she spoke to everyone who was waiting, everyone who was waiting she knew who Jesus was. She, she spoke of his uh, redemptory power. Really cool stuff. Okay, uh, in Matthew chapter 9, uh, I preached on this a while back, but there's a, a woman who struggled with an issue of blood for 12 years. She touched Jesus' garments, and she was healed. Uh, he did not rebuke her, but instead called her daughter. Daughter. Uh, it's a term that uh, is never recorded anywhere else, Jesus speaking to someone. He calls her daughter. So that's in Matthew chapter 9. 
And in John chapter 4, Jesus comes to Samaria, which was a very hated place for most of the Israelites. They didn't like them because they were, they were half-bloods, right? They were mud-bloods, right? They were half this and half that, and so they were half Israelites and half other things, and so they did not like the people of Samaria. Um, but Jesus chooses to talk to this woman at the well where he reveals his identity to her as the Messiah, which is what Christ means. So when we say Jesus Christ, we're saying Jesus the Messiah. So he reveals his identity to her and then uh, you know, sends her back to uh, Samaria, and then she preaches uh, the gospel of Jesus. And it, all it says is, we don't know how many people came. It says, they went out of the, out of the town and were coming to him. And I wish that I could preach one sentence and bring several people to Jesus. Wouldn't that be nice? She, she says, hey, come see the man who knew everything about me. And then they say, is this the Christ? And she goes, well, we're going to have to find out. And then they, it says, they went. So it's more than one, right? They went out of the town and were coming to him. Uh, so again, this woman was the first person to preach Jesus to Samaria. When Jesus died, his burial garments and spices and herbs were prepared by by women because uh, dead people stink, and so they were trying to keep the body from stinking for a longer period of time, if you didn't know that, uh, so that's cool. Uh, so Jesus uh, raises himself from the dead, or you know, however that worked, it seems like that's how it worked, uh, but uh, he chose to reveal himself to Mary, Mary, and uh, Salami. Uh, and yes, every woman in Jesus' day was named Mary or some sort of delicious processed meat. It's true? <laughs> Look it up. I don't, that always seemed weird to me, right? Like, no, 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 no. Again, I get the microphone. It's salami. It's also Bologna, right? Bologna and salami. Uh, so yeah, it's, yeah, there's a lot of women named Mary. And so they often have to say, this is Mary, the mother of, and this was Mary, the mother of this person. This was Mary, the mother that's how we have to like differentiate because there's a lot of Marys in the New Testament. Uh, it's kind of like Jessica, right, 25 years ago. It's just one of those names that everybody had. Uh, so there you go. Uh, so these, these women, Jesus reveals himself to them, these three women, uh, and says, go preach the gospel of the risen Christ to the disciples. Go back and tell them what you have seen, what you have experienced. Uh, so the gospel of Jesus Christ, it's not sexist, ageist, racist, or any otherist. But it's so powerful that everyone is empowered to preach it uh, regardless of what the society may say about that person. Uh, so then why, why do we see men and only men being established as elders in the Bible, right? If, if all the things I just said were true, which hopefully you believe that they are, because uh, they are true, uh, why do we see men being established as elders? Um, that's the way that God designed it to be. And it's not the answer that we always want uh, to receive. But it's true. Remember like when we were kids or remember when your kids were little and they go, why? Because I said so. And sometimes there's a really elaborate reason, like we can't play in the street because then you'll get run over by a car and I can't afford to pay that bill, okay? <laughs> or we want you to stay safe. Whatever the reason is for you, that's what my parents said, you know, right? Yeah. Don't play in the street. We can't afford it. Uh, so sometimes we don't like the answers that are in the Bible, but it's not our job to decide whether or not we like the answers. It's just our job to decide whether or not we're going to submit to what it says. 
So we, as, as, as leaders in the church, we say, well, we just, whatever the Bible says, that's, that's what we're, we're going to do. So this is from Titus uh, chapter 2, uh, talking about the, the role of elders in the church is to be filled with Holy Spirit-guided, faithful men. Uh, so this is Titus 2. He says, but as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith and love, and in steadfastness. Older women... Likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good, and so train the young women to love their husbands and children. It says, older men are to be sober, dignified, self-controlled, sound in love, uh, faith, unwavering in their walk with Jesus. So older women are to be reverent, not gossipers, not slaves to much wine, uh, which leads us to the question of how much wine is much wine? And I'm not sure, uh, but I know for a fact that it doesn't say no wine. It just says not much wine. So don't feel guilt if you like to have a good red or white every once in a while, okay? Don't feel any guilt. We're not going to shame that upon you here because it doesn't say no wine. It just says not too much, okay? Uh, women here in Titus 2 are told to teach what is good, to train the young women to love their husbands and children. Um, husbands and children the two most emotionally fragile and vulnerable people groups in our congregation, right? <laughs> Husbands and children. This is seriously, though. Uh, older woman is not a derogatory term. Uh, it's simply stating a fact that some of you have had more birthdays than others. And our younger, woman, our younger women need you. They need you desperately. Now more than ever. They need you. The husbands or, or future husbands of these young women need you to teach them how to love their husbands and children because there are days when it seems impossible. Because sometimes, sometimes, us men are hard to love. So bravo to you women who orchestrated uh, this at the last uh, the Women's Connection Group. You had a beautiful time of younger women and older women sharing, connecting, talking about the struggles which you've had, being honest, being real about fears and how God helped you to overcome them, telling your story. That is what the Bible encourages. So a huge praise and honoring goes out, especially to our older women who were faithful in telling their stories and difficulties to younger women to know that it is possible to love a man for a lifetime, even when he is unlovable. It is possible. It is possible not to murder your children. It's, it is possible. <laughs> Grandkids are your gift for not murdering your children. Yeah. Yes. Yes. You can. You can love your family. You can stay sober. It is possible. Your faithfulness to your family and husband preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. So this is from 1 Peter chapter 3. It says, Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husband, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. So this is not about power or authority or titles. It's all about Jesus and doing what he wants us to do. 
Uh, so remember that thing that I keep saying about we're only called to do two things, which is to become more like Jesus in order to bring more people to Jesus. That's it. That's what it's all about. Our women have the highest calling in raising up other women and our children in the knowledge of God and choosing to submit to their husbands and their elders. And the reason it's so hard for you is because there have been men in your life who have told you to submit to them. Submit to me. Well, that doesn't feel very good. It doesn't feel empowering. It doesn't feel like you're fulfilling anything other than the will of men whom you might secretly hate. But I promise that when you allow the Holy Spirit to drive, when you allow the Holy Spirit to drive and knowing and living out your role in the areas of your life, you will be blessed, empowered, and driven to accomplish great things. So do not be deceived by the enemy. We as leaders of the church are empowering you. We are doing everything that we can to help you to live in the fullness of God's calling and gifting in your life. If you are a gifted speaker, we will help you become the speaker that God has called you to be. If you are gifted in teaching, we will help you to become a gifted teacher. We will do everything in our power to help you become uh, the fullness of what God has given you in your talents and gifts. We are passionate about removing all the barriers that the world wants to put around us and to allow the Holy Spirit to lead us, gift us, and bless us. And we would love to help you, regardless of your age, gender, or anything else, to live in the fullness of God's calling now in your life. So if you feel called to teach, let us help, us, let us help you become a better teacher. If you are called to lead a Bible study, let us help you find people uh, and prepare Bible studies. Let us help you accomplish those things. Whatever your gifting and calling is in the Holy Spirit, we are committed to empowering and edifying you to lead and to serve out of those giftings. So but before I go on to, to the next question, I just wanted to sit there uh, for uh, a minute. And I, I just wanted to give the, the elders my, my praise from the pulpit. If, if you weren't here back before I, I came in February... They were um, struggling to find someone to come in here and to preach consistently. So the elders were speaking. And having listened to their sermons, they did a wonderful job preaching the Word of God, staying faithful to uh, the Scripture. And by the time that I came here, there wasn't a bunch of junk that I had to overcome or bad theology. So I just wanted to say thank you to the elders who were pastors of this church and preached faithfully. So thank you. And now that they have, have more time, uh, they can definitely help uh, more people in accomplishing and fulfilling the gifts that they have. Uh, really cool stuff, guys. Uh, God is doing amazing things here, and I'm excited just to see what happens next. Okay, uh, so going on to the next uh, question that, uh, that, that we got is, is, how do I tell my friends or family that they need to get baptized? Um, you, you, you do this. You go, hey... Um, you need, you need to get baptized. Okay. Uh, my question is, you know, like, I think this came from a, from a person who had been attending church for a long time, and maybe they themselves haven't been baptized. And so my, my question is, you know, uh, what, are, what are you waiting for? What are, are you waiting for a, a moment or 
you know, a calling or something special. So I wanted to read this passage from Romans chapter 6, verse 4. It should be in your notes, the passage at least. It says, We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. We get to walk in a newness of life. It is commanded by Jesus. It is our first step in being submitted to Jesus. So what are we waiting for? I recently heard of someone in our church that has professed their faith in Christ and they're waiting for the Holy Spirit to tell them to get baptized. So if you are in this room, uh, this is the Holy Spirit speaking through Brian now telling you to get baptized. (laughs) Stop waiting, right? I understand that some of you have been coming to church for a long time, and you might just assume that, well, I've, you know, I've been coming to church, and so I've been doing the things that I've been asked to do. Uh, well, you know, and there might be other reasons you might be nervous about getting baptized, and I don't know what those are, but we'd love to talk with you about them. But we want you to know that we do baptisms in pools. We have a baptistry back here, which we are, are working on getting the water a little warmer because it's a little chilly right now. Uh, the heat pump is not working like it should. Uh, but we also do baptisms in the rivers, in hot tubs, right? If you have a soaking tub in your house and that's, you know, we, if there's water, we'll baptize you. We don't care. We're not like water specific. It doesn't have to be here. If you're worried about doing it in front of a bunch of people and, and you're just nervous, you don't want to, you don't want to, that's okay. We don't have to. We can go somewhere else and, 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 and do it there. Uh, so don't, don't let the, the time or the place keep you from getting baptized. We just want to make sure that we're helping you accomplish that step uh, right away. Uh, again, I, I'll baptize you anytime, anywhere. If you called me on Tuesday at four o'clock in the morning, I'd wake up and get dressed and come baptize you. Like that's, that's how passionate I am about helping people take that first step in submitting to Jesus. And again, we've talked about this before. Is it for salvation? Is it for, uh, you know, the purification of sins? Uh, and for me, the, the point and simple uh, basis is Jesus told us to do it, so we're going to do it. If he told me that I had to preach standing on my head, I'd be up here figuring that out, preaching by standing on my head, okay? Uh, Jesus told us to do it, so we're going to do it, uh, and that's, that's all that I need for that answer. Okay, uh, so this, um, I love this story. This is from Acts chapter 8, verses 36 through 38. It says, and as they were going along the road, they came to some water. Again, I love that, some water, <laughs> What is it? Who knows? And the eunuch said, see, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? Said, and he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And the reason that I I love this passage is because the man that wants to get baptized, they're, they're traveling in a chariot, which is, you know, maybe a car nowadays. And I always like to imagine that it's like a a puddle on the side of the road. It's like, well, it's been raining, and so we have, there's some water, you know, it's deep enough. Like, what, what, what would keep me from getting baptized right now? And he's, nothing. So stop the chariot. Let's get out and get baptized. Let's do it right now. There's a, there's a sense of urgency, like, I need to do this. Uh, so the Ethiopian eunuch, he wants to be baptized, and so they stop the chariot immediately. So this is me telling you to stop the chariot. Whatever journey that, that you're on, whatever decisions that you've made, and you said, well, I don't know, I just, I'm just not ready to stop the chariot and get baptized. And I'm telling you, 
yeah, whether you've been coming to church for 50 years, 80 years, 90 years, or one year, one day, if you want to profess your faith in Jesus Christ, it starts with baptism. So we'd love to talk with you about what it means to submit to Jesus by placing your faith in him and beginning that journey. This is not politics. This is not Bible politics. This isn't denominational stuff. This is just doing what the Bible says and being baptized just like they did in the New Testament. So uh, we'll perform baptisms wherever there's water um, that won't get us killed getting in and out of it. So if you want to get baptized like deep in the ocean, uh, you might have to find somebody else because that would scare me to death. Uh, I would get over that fear, I think, but whew, yeah. Uh, so don't hesitate. Don't let the enemy convince you any longer that you should wait. Uh, on the connection card, we have a spot. If you'd like to make that decision, we'd love uh, if you would fill that out, uh, one of our pastors, one of our elders, and uh, tell us the decision that you're making to follow Jesus. We'd love to celebrate with you uh, as the amazing family that we are. So how do you tell your friends that they need to get baptized? Well, the first step is that you need to get baptized, and then your story in submitting to Jesus tells them what their next step is. Uh, so that's the other thing that you can do that's really helpful is tell them about when you got baptized. Tell them your story and why it's so important to you and how it helped you to follow Jesus by submitting to Jesus in that first step. Okay, I'm going to call the worship team uh, back up. But I know I, I talk about how excited I am about the amazing things that God is doing. Uh, and it's, it's, really, it's just really cool because I get to see it all take place. I get to see all of, uh, I get to hear about all of the conversations that are being had. It's just really, really exciting because the direction that we are headed is steadfastly into submission to Jesus, allowing the Holy Spirit to drive in our church and in our lives as individuals. And I want, I want you to know from the bottom of my heart that I am so proud of you. I'm so proud of you. Not like in a boastful way, but I just, I see the progress that you are making and submitting more and more of your lives to Jesus. And I'm so excited. I'm so encouraged by that. So thank you for choosing to follow Jesus. Thank you for choosing to attend this church when you do. I would love to make myself available as well as all of our elders and pastors. So if you would like to meet them, uh, please don't hesitate to talk to us. If you'd like to fill out a connection card, we will reach out to you. They're either on the seat backs or in the seats behind you. Uh, and they even say, place them in the things as they go by. So we're just excited to meet more and more and more of you. There's room in this family for everyone. There's room here at Redwood for everyone. So I love you all so much. Thank you for loving me back. It is my greatest joy to be a pastor here. I'm so thankful. So thank you guys so much. It's the greatest gift that you could give me during this. This is Pastor Appreciation Month. So the greatest gift that you can give me is your faithfulness. And I've seen that and I love you guys. I'm so thankful you've chosen to allow the Holy Spirit to be in the driver's seat of your lives. And I'm excited to take our next steps uh, together. So let's pray. So, Father, we're so thankful for all that you've done and continue to do. God, you are so much uh, better. You have such bigger and better plans than we could even imagine and draw up. So, God, help us to just stay focused on doing whatever it is that you're calling us to. So, God, we thank you for the people here. God, may we continue to bring more and more people in, uh, maybe so that we don't even need a heater on Sunday mornings. This place would be so packed. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Thank you.